Hey guys, you're listening to Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man, the podcast where life issues and the Bible collide. We hope you enjoy today's topic and are encouraged to do some musing yourself. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, we're one, one episode away from 52, Woo-hoo! one episode for every week of the year. I'm so excited. You have, okay, so when these, oh, by the way, welcome to <laughs> Musings with Townsend yes. and Preacher Man. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I was getting ready to record. I didn't know which button to click. I don't know. I'm He's like, just I'm, excited, y'all. I, I've been out of it a couple 5, times. 5,000, is that where we're at? We're, we're over 5,000 downloads. Yeah. And so when I upload these, I don't know if anybody pays attention to this stuff. It doesn't matter. But you have to tell it what season of your podcast you're in. So we're in season one. And when we started, I thought, well, how will we say what a season is? Is a season every month? Well, then you end up with, if we if God lets us keep doing this, we end up with 28 seasons. I'm like, no, 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 that's yes. too much. So I was like, we'll just change seasons every year. I only have, not counting this one, but I only have one more in season one. Then we have Bam. season two. Yeah. Season two. Yes. I almost wish we were going to get a different logo, but I don't want to do that. So, you know, <laughs> something, what do we do? I don't know. Maybe we change the music. But season two, we've been doing this 51. This is 51 weeks that we've been able to do it. Yes. It's taken longer than 51 weeks because Corona is a demon and any other other things, the ice storm happened, all that yes. stuff. So. But here we are. God has been faithful. This stuff keeps working. And, and the one across from me keeps being willing to show up at the same time each week so we can record it. So all is well in the department of the podcasting world of Townsend and Preacher Man. And what makes it the best is that you guys keep deciding to be here and be a part of our community. Absolutely. And we want you to know, we definitely want you to know how much we appreciate that. I, I, I never want it to come off as like we're trying to show off. Anybody could do this. Trust me. When I tell you from the point of view of these two talking to you, anyone could do this, but you guys keep coming back, keep being a part of our community, and you give us so much encouragement, and we just appreciate it, and we are trusting that God is using what we're doing to either encourage you to think, encourage you to see something differently, be reassured in what you already think, or maybe even be challenged enough that you reach out to us and tell us you see it a different way. That hasn't happened yet. But I keep wondering what day somebody will say, you know, I actually think of this in a different way. And that just encourages and increases the conversation, which is the whole reason we got this started in the first place. So we are super happy to be here with you for episode 51. If you think this is worthy of being shared, if you're like me and wanting to take back the social media, mass media platform that we're all surrounded by, I want to encourage you if you're willing to share this with somebody, whether you share the link that we post on Facebook, or you share the podcast through whatever listening uh, method you choose, but you let your friends know we want them to be a, a member of a citizen, uh, <laughs> a citizen of listener. I am not together. What it's is okay. wrong with me? Hey, you're, you're just like me and everyone else in listener land. But, and it's also getting hot in here. Is it, it makes just me? Us, it is a little warm. <laughs> it makes us feel like I'm, you know, we're not the long ranger when Preacher Man doesn't have it oh, together. Listen, it, it, he hadn't had it together in a long time. <laughs> Man, that's probably its own topic. That's not true. But anyhow, hey, we ha- I don't know. We just got an email about something about a podcast. Anybody out there listening on Verbal? Any <laughs> Verbal, V-U-R-B-L. I love the new technologies and the new things. We never spell them correctly. 
Verbal, V-U-R-B-L. See, stuff like that's why I couldn't. Kit Kat is why I couldn't spell in elementary school. Exactly. So, <laughs> but if you're out there on verbal, I just got notified that you're out there. So how cool. Hello, and thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Guys, I'm kind of excited about today's topic. And my partner sat down and said, oof, this is a hard one for teenagers. And so my hope is to hear her heart today about those teenagers and about this one topic. But it's not just a teenage topic. It's an all-believers topic because... As you could probably already see by the name of this episode, I want to talk about the sore thumb of Christianity. Now, what we have here for ourselves is the question, are Christians supposed to stick out? And so the sore thumb's always sticking out and it's always taking a whack. And we are in the Bible referred to as strangers in a strange land, but we often act like we're supposed to blend in with everybody. And so the question we're going to muse on, the question we've been thinking about for a while is, is it correct to think that Christians ought to look weird to everyone else? Should we appear strange to people because the way of the gospel is actually strange? And what does that mean? What does that look like? Does that give us permission just to be rude and off the wall? Or does it mean something else? Now, Townsend, you came to this with the point of view. I know where your heart is and you're thinking about young people. Uh, you know that I think about it. I got a book sitting over here beside me that was about that, about how we change and shape these things for young people. But first, why do you think this is such a difficult topic for teenagers? So I think that teenagers um, are having a hard time figuring out. I think deep down as they start diving into Scripture and they start listening to people who are teaching them about about who God is and about what God does, what God expects of us, they have a hard time figuring out exactly how to stand out. Mm -hmm. So I want to touch on a topic because I don't know if this is this is going to be at all involved in where your thought process was going, but I'm going to take it there because I want you to shed some light I'm on glad, this. For I'm me glad too. you think there are like uh, rules to this. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> you just we're going to throw you it throw out it there up. And we're going to swing at it. So go so, for it. I am seeing the standout. Okay, so let me back up a little bit. The standout aspect of the Christian life, I, I saw a post just last night, and it was from my, my ex-boss who, he, he taught me so much, and I didn't even know it when he was teaching me. I just stayed mad at him all the time. And now <laughs> I look back, and I'm like, man, that man, where would I be without him? But he states in a Facebook post, where is my church? Right here, 24-7. And it's a picture of him and his kids and his wife. Okay. And it says, he commanded our ancestors to teach his instructions to their children so the next generation might know them. And he says, he goes on to say in the next, in the very next post that I see, it talks about standing out and it's, and it talks about looking odd and being uncomfortable that we put Jesus in a box mm -hmm. that we actually, I mean, he, he's talking about being the church. He's talking about doing, and then he starts talking about addicts. He starts talking about the way that we, we welcome people who desperately need Jesus into the faith. And then we yank them back a notch and make them use a safe Jesus. Mm -hmm. So to, so to speak. And I thought right then, that is dead on where we're going with this standout thing, because when we are acting full-blown Jesus, mm -hmm. we look like full-blown lunatics. That's right. But back to the thing I want to throw out. I think sometimes our generation gets confused on the sticking out policy being entirely on your looks. Mm. 
And so I'm, I'm really seeing, and, and even when we went on our mission trip, I noticed this. Um, a lot of those who I know, they are full-blown followers of Christ. I see them. Mm-hmm. I see them in action. I know by their actions, they're sticking out to me from the world because of their actions. Mm-hmm. But they've went way above and beyond with their hair dye and their piercings and their tattoos covering their bodies and the things that they've done to really just... I mean, bam, the bam effect. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, I have this question myself because I can't say that for every person I've encountered, some of these people share testimonies about their process and the things they've gone through and how they've gotten to where they are. And it completely makes sense exactly the picture I'm looking at and the person I see, Mm -hmm. the heart that I see, it all matches and it's it's dead on. But I, I see other children that I've encountered with whether it's in my youth group or in my daily life, who are seeking a look, a physical look that is standing out and claiming it to be, I've done this to make a statement, and it, and they want to kind of incorporate in some Jesus in there, <laughs> and I just don't know that their reasoning behind the standout-ish attitude is truly full-blown for Jesus. Yeah, sure. I mean, in honesty, how much do we... When we're on this journey, how much do we do that is actually honestly 100% for God in the first place? Exactly. So that that is the first thing. But what you're asking about teenagers is actually where, when I typed this out, where I was coming from, from an adult, which is, am I supposed to stick out? And, and if I can establish that the answer is yes, which I can, the next question is how? Yes. And the how <clears throat> is where, so in the description of this podcast, and I can tell you this because I've just typed it and I'm looking at it, I make reference to the fact that when we're young, all of us, now if you're out there and you, and you are young, trust me when I say you're not odd for being this way, okay? But everybody else, you remember being young and the one thing you wanted to be was unique. Yes. You wanted to, you didn't want to just be some regular old person. If you ask some young man or woman about being something when they grow up, all the time, there's some version of I want to make a difference. I want to, you know, I used to say I want to make my mark on the world. Yes. I want to, I want to be unique. But when we started trying to find that uniqueness, if we're honest, it was like everybody else. Like yes. I, I want to wear my own style of clothing that just so happens to look like a certain group. You know, I'm blending in with this group. I want to listen to a certain kind of music, like everybody else is listening to. You know, I, yes. I want to, I want to have certain behaviors that my friend group already okays and thinks is cool. And, you know, we talked about wanting to be unique, but in truth that the exercise of unique actually got discovered by just blending in. And yet when we talk about, are we supposed to stick out? Jesus makes a huge deal about this in, and poor Townsend can tell you, you contact her privately and say, does he quote the Sermon on the Mount regularly? It's twenty four seven. Maybe somehow I'm, slipped I'm not, in. I'm not lying when I say if you go back and listen or look, it may be it may be that almost ninety percent of sermons I've ever preached this, this something about something that comes from the Sermon on the Mount makes an appearance. And when he's talking to the disciples and those people listening about who they actually are, he says, "You are the salt of the earth. Yes. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again?" It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. He later on says that it's no good for anything, not even the manure pile. That is Jesus literally saying that if you're not what I've told you to be, you are worthless. You are worth less than poo. 
Okay? He says, you are the salt of the earth. Well, salt was meant to flavor things, not to take on flavor. Right? Salt was also meant to preserve things, not to change along with them. Yes. But then he goes on and he says in verse 14 of chapter 5 in Matthew, you are the light of the world. You illuminate the dark. And then he gives us a detail. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That is a beautiful way of saying you're supposed to stick out. Yes. Okay. Not only do I see there in that moment that I really am supposed to stick out. So if I want to take it like this, I am supposed to be the sore thumb of the world. I am supposed to stick out. I am supposed to be, I don't mean this like you're supposed to go looking for a problem, but I am supposed to be quote unquote in the way as the world around me wants to flush itself down the toilet. And, you know, the thing I really want us to focus on and to realize is that even the the simple way that Jesus came onto this planet, it wasn't that he stuck out in such a way that made every head turn that very mm. second and bow down to the king. It was in such a humble way. He stuck out the opposite direction. Right. He stuck out in the most humiliating, <laughs> humble way, born in a stable. And that is what made him stick out. That it was the different part. And, the, and he stuck out that way that w- it was used against him. Like that, yes. that sticking out was actually, you know, isn't this the carpenter's son? You know, you're yes. a nobody, which people will say of you out there. You know, you're going to stick out. You want to live according to the calling that's given to you through Christ. And people are going to be like, didn't I see you at the bar three weeks ago? Yes. Didn't I hear you cuss out your dog in the front yard yesterday? You know, people are going to do the same Absolutely. thing to you. Absolutely. And, and I think we tend to want to think, man, I'm going to stand up and fight for Jesus. And me and my blue hair, I'm going to come riding in on my white horse. I'm going to be covered in my tats, and I'm going to battle for Jesus. Sure. And that's okay. But make sure that's exactly where your goal is, that everyone who sees you sees Christ, and you're not just trying to make a fashion statement. Right. Absolutely. Because he doesn't just stop there. If he had stopped there, we really don't have any more to say. Because he says, you are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You don't light a candle in a dark place and then put it under a basket. You put it in the window so that everybody in the dark can see it. But then about that light. That sticking outness, he says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good work yes. and glorify your Father who is in heaven. There it is. He doesn't say that they'll glorify how you dress or how technically how you stick out in some, in some prescribed way. He doesn't say they will see how you dress and somebody who has been told or who is busy telling people that you have to wear a suit to go to church needs to hear that. He doesn't say you will stick out and be seen because of how you dress. Yes. He doesn't say you're going to stick out and be recognized because of what you put in your skin with ink or with dye. He says they will see what you do. He will, they will see your good work. They will see what you do. So the question is, do we, are we supposed to stick out? Irrevocably and unequivocally, yes. Absolutely. How am I supposed to stick out? By what I do. And this is something that we, let's be honest, we don't like this. No, and I go back to this all the time because it is so me. It is the condition of my heart that should stand out to everyone else. There's something about that chick that's different. Mm -hmm. She didn't used to be that way. That's what I want them to look at me and say. Now, that ain't what always gets said because I fall short every single day. Um, Just yesterday, I screamed at some kids at my lesson and then immediately was like, I don't think that's what he was. (laughs) 
would have wanted me to do. But so I'm I'm definitely not saying that that we all have it right all the time or that every single person who comes in in their million dollar suit and shoes or on the flip side in their whatever jeans and t-shirt mm-hmm. and whatever else yeah. neither direction we have to make sure the condition of the heart right which produces the works for Jesus Christ is the part that is sticking out to every eye that's on you right and that's the, and so we have a rub i'm going to presume now don't get me wrong i can look at these little statistics and somewhere sometime at some point somebody in france listened to a podcast from us now, if they spoke French and not English, they just, I don't know what they were doing, but okay. So, but I'm going to presume that let's just say the vast majority of who's out there with us today or tomorrow, whenever you're listening, you're from the United States. Well, then you are for all practical purposes, an Americanized Christian. And we were sold a version of Christianity that said, you just get Jesus and keep yourself. Yes. You get salvation, you get freedom, you get to go to heaven and not hell. But you can just keep on keeping on doing whatever you want because God doesn't actually care about that. Well, that's not correct. That's why Jesus talks about being able to have your works recognized. The fruit. Right, exactly. And so that's what James, his brother, is pushing on so very hard in James chapter 2 when he says that faith without works is dead. Now, some people have used that verse to suggest that there are things you have to do to gain eternal life, to gain salvation. That is a lie. That is ripping James out of the context with which he is in. I think there are people who have done little but had faith and believed in Jesus Christ who will enter the gates of heaven. But I also know that that is not the life that he called me to live. Well, now, I think that's a two-way two, two way street. I don't know what he called uh, old Joe over here to sure. do. But for me in particular, I know that's not it. If I'm such comfortable talking, man, do it for him. If you're such good at drawing, if you're if you're so good at whatever it is, you better be doing it for him. Well, it's almost like the Bible says, whatever you do in work or deed, do as though you were doing it for the Lord. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not a specification. There is no biblical prescription on what it is. If it is within the bounds of righteousness, it is to be done. Exactly. Now, if you want to be able to say, well, I can, I can uh, do this, that, or the other thing, and it's clearly sinful behavior, but I'm doing it for Jesus. No, you're not. I can't be trying to minister to alcoholics and encouraging them to meet me at a bar and have a drink with me. That's, you're not doing that for God. You're, you're some sort of broken understanding of how all of this works. But the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to do things. Let the, let the world see your good work and then glorify your Father in heaven. When James talks about faith without works being dead, he talks about a habit that many of us have where we'll say, I'm going to pray for you. But we never intend, A, bad enough, we rarely intend to actually pray, and B, we don't intend to do anything to try to change somebody's condition. And I want to pray for all the poor people in the world, but don't ask me to do anything for them. Don't ask me to get out of my comfort zone and right. go visit and, and take my own money and, and time and invest in this. And so James says, what good is that? Yeah. What have you done? If a brother comes to you in the night, he's naked, hungry, and without a place to stay, and all you do is say, hey, go and be at peace, I will pray for you. Yes, you will stand out when you do that. James says, how have you changed that man's condition? Because you look kind of crazy if you do it a right. lot. How have, you, how have you changed that man? He's still naked, he's still hungry, and he still has no place to stay. Yep. So that kind of faith is dead, James says. So in, he's not saying that you have to do something to be saved. He's saying what you do is a reflection 
of the salvation you've been given. Absolutely. And so we're too quick to be like, somebody else can do it. Somebody else can do it. You know, I'm going to pray for you, but some, I'm going to pray that somebody else helps you. We are that somebody. And so you ask yourself, I've asked myself so many times, if I'm supposed to stick out, how am I supposed to stick out? Well, I am thankful that the Bible tells us this as well. Paul is talking about at the uh, at, towards the end of Philippians, this is chapter 3, and he's talking about how people who don't follow Christ are sadly headed towards destruction. But listen to what he says before that in verse 17 of chapter 3. Join together in following my example. Now, why did he know to say that? Because he was following the example of Jesus. Now, if I can't follow Jesus' example for whatever reason, then I need to follow somebody who is following his example. And so Paul says, follow me because I'm following him. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have told you before and tell you again with tears in my eyes, many will live as enemies of the cross of Christ, and their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And he, he's not being literal so much as he's saying their, their God is, is pleasing their flesh. It's pleasing themselves. It's getting what they want slash say they need while ignoring what God is asking them for. So we've we've done we've started the study here about doubt. Right. And you know, so many of us going into it, I mean, if it's basically for some the people I, I teaching. I tricked you. I tricked you. You did. You thought it was going to be about doubting faith stuff. Yes. And so like, <laughs> you know, going into it, we all teach here, so we're all kind of I'm not saying like pat us on the back, we need a longer arm and a bigger back or anything. I'm just saying we are we're all kind of to the point that we're in scripture enough that we don't stand around and doubt whether or not we're saved. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of us that were like, what are we gaining from doubt? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have gained so far from this study is this that I know and and it's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but it is okay that I've turned from that, hopefully. But I know in my walk with Christ that there have been numerous times that either the fruit was sour or the lack thereof altogether has caused so many people around me to doubt their faith. Mm. That has been one revelation that has been brought to my attention through this study is sometimes it's not exactly me doubting, but it is my action causing doubt. That is what he is talking about, standing out. Mm -hmm. That is why you stand out, so that it is never you. I mean, it's going to be at some point, but that it is never intentionally you that is creating doubt among every person around you Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Well, you remember... You you did it with horse stuff and softball. I did it with singing. You remember when you knew people, like maybe your parents or your relatives or your friends or your significant dating relationship, they were out there watching. Oh, yeah. And the nervousness that came with, I want to do it as good as possible yes. because they are there watching. We're called to have that concern about everything we do every day because yes. everything we do every day in some... Now, I understand... If you think about how exactly is me ordering my lunch in the Wendy's drive-thru supposed to be leading someone to Jesus, I do not, nor will anyone else, have the capacity to tell you how all those details connect. 
I just know that God says they all connect. Yes, I don't want the lady at Wendy's right. for me to get mad at her and basically spit in her face because she didn't hear my order correctly to turn around in four days and show up at the place where I work needing help with a toothache. Exactly. And then the next week realize that's the same woman and then show up at our church. Mm-hmm. How embarrassing. Right. I'm teaching the women's Sunday school class. So yes, every minute of every day matters. It, it can tie in together. It may not mm-hmm. that you know of. But it can. Everything can. And so it is just so, so important that we put on that hat, we put on that armor of God, and we go out, and everything we do represents Him. Right. But if that's if the how is by what I do, then if anybody out there is like me, the next question is, then why am I not doing this? Why, yeah. why am I not? Okay, Paul, in that same section in Philippians 3, says, we our citizenship is in heaven. And I sometimes think about how no matter where, and I have, I have in in my life, because of music things, been able to travel in different places of the world. I've been to Tokyo, Japan. I've been to London, England. And no matter where I went, I stuck out because Americans stick out, right? It's real easy as an American to stick out in Japan. So at that moment, see if you follow my little metaphor here, it was clear that my citizenship wasn't there. Like I'm not from here, right? Paul says, you stick out around here on earth because your citizenship is in heaven. And so you're awaiting your Savior. But why don't I behave a certain way? Well, it's because I can't sometimes say what Paul said in the opening statements of Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first, to the Jew, then to the Greek, for the gospel reveals the righteousness of God that comes by faith from start to finish. Amen. Well, the truth is, if you want to get down, if you want to get down where the Bible starts doing that thing where it separates bone from marrow, I don't live the way he wants me to live because I'm ashamed. Yes. I'm sometimes going to be ashamed of not wanting to live that way. I'm going to be ashamed of not knowing enough about the gospel. I'm going to be some version of... Now, you say, I'm not not ashamed. Well, change the word. It says the same meaning. You're embarrassed. You're embarrassed that you can't quote the Bible, or you're embarrassed that you feel uncomfortable. I've had more than one person tell me in the last week that they were uncomfortable talking to me about the Bible because they didn't know how to study it like me. I'm like, (laughs) you you ain't ever even been in my living room when I'm studying it, and I'm sitting there yelling at it sometimes because I don't understand what I'm reading. Like, no. Yeah, well, and it's good to have people that you look up to. Please don't hear me say that you're doing something. If you're, you know, I know that there are people, my my children look up to me. Uh, I look up to others, but... Can I tell you a little thing that hit me? So I've I've been in school longer than than like I've been in school longer than Townsend's been alive probably. <laughs> I got to a certain level in education where everybody starts calling everybody else doctor and I realized, man, they'll just let any idiot in here. Okay? So beforehand, when I'm like, wow, doctor so and so or the person that's standing up on the podium giving some speech, you're like, wow. You know, they're mega smart, they're they're hyper-educated. They know every answer to every question. They never get anything wrong. They are literally the most holy example I'm ever going to see. They have it together. As somebody who has been called doctor and who has stood behind the podium to give some speech, can I assure you, they let just any idiot up there. <laughs> and what I mean by that is there isn't anything so greatly different. And we're, we're going to be very guilty 
of trying to use this imaginary difference as the excuse of why we didn't stick out. Yep. But we need to be reminded that Paul is not important. Like there was nothing significant about the man named Saul that made him Paul. It is the Christ that made him Paul. Absolutely. And there's nothing significant about preacher man. Trust me when I tell you there is nothing significant about me. The only thing of significance is because of what he made me. Now, if we can break out of that, then we're starting to understand that this life I'm supposed to live stuck out, it isn't even my life. That is correct. There's where we're going to bump into, but I'm ashamed of who I am or who I was. Okay, and you well. you know, I think another thing hitting on the ashamed thing and the, the vulnerability that comes with that is we as Christians no longer hold each other accountable. That's, That's a another dirty, reason dirty, dirty word. why we aren't able to live that <laughs> life because we're all too we're all too worried about so and so uncovering our own sins that mm-hmm. we sure ain't gonna talk to them about theirs. Exactly. That's part of that issue. Like you're saying, that's part of that. Yes. I am ashamed of the gospel because, in your example, I'm ashamed of how I'm abusing it. I'm ashamed of the secret. And here's the thing. I walk into a room, and at any given moment, I think everybody in there is living perfect, and I'm desperate to make sure they don't find out that I'm not. Instead of some version of encouraging accountability where we all know that we're not perfect and we're all trying to work with one another to reach those loftier places of righteous living. Absolutely. My wife and I were talking, we, there's some, some different things that we're able to be experiencing in the areas that God has allowed us some influence and some worldview clashing in one of those areas and... Uh, um, Something was said anyway about people going to a bar. And I said, I assure you, they don't need to be taken there. They probably already know how to get there. Oh, yeah. And uh, she said, what's wrong with us? Now, I knew what she was asking. But in case you don't, because you may not really know me well uh, out there in listener land, she means, how come we don't do that stuff? What's wrong with us? Why don't we go to bars or, or do whatever? In fact, she got into, I think it was on Netflix, watching a show called Parenthood. Is that yes. the name of it? Every episode, there, some I, literally at some point in all of the seasons she was watching, I looked over and I said, I don't think we drink enough. You know, it's, everybody was yes. constantly doing that. And that is a topic uh, we're going we're gonna to muse together on that in the, in, just in the near future here, but not today. But I told her, having nothing to do with alcohol consumption, by the way, but this insatiable need to go somewhere and do something and be amongst a a situation to quote unquote find happiness. I told her, I said, unfortunately, a lot of those people are actually very miserable on the inside. Yes. And the problem with us, and I praise God for this is I'm happy Yeah. and I don't have to go hunting. And there's, there's so much to say about um, being able to stand out in your daily life and then go home. You know, there, there is something about standing out that sort of empties you a little bit. Mm-hmm. It drains you. It, it's hard. It is hard to do. It is not something that is just super easy, and and it doesn't necessarily come naturally because pleasing your flesh becomes natural. It does. Doing things that are sinful comes naturally. So it is something that tends to kind of drain you. And so just on the topic of what you just shared, uh, the better half of me— and myself, we were having a discussion the other night about being at home and kind of filling my cup, feeling like yeah. that's a place where I don't I'm, go anywhere. 
Yes, that I feel okay. Like, I don't really feel like I need to literally go to a bar and fill my cup. I want to sit at home with my kid and my man and just talk or ride horses or whatever we do Mm -hmm. and fill my cup that way. With Jesus and family and and the the way that it is so different, I've experienced both forms of cup filling. Just mm-hmm. so you guys know, Towns is not walking over here in sainthood since she would come out and into the world. But the latter has just revealed so much more on a level of happiness that even though standing out drains me, it also has made me aware of so many godly things that fill me back up in order to go out and stand out again, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Well, we live in such a... We, we move from one temporary pleasure to another a lot of times. Like we'll just go to something that gives us some temporary relief and eventually it stops. So we move to something else and we move to something else. And all through that journey, we we're wondering what would actually solve this problem? What would yes. actually end this cycle and, and allow me the, the, I'm going to use the word pleasure, but it's so far beyond that. It allows me the pleasure of just being at ease and knowing what happiness is. No, you know, real life, true happiness. There is only one answer to that question. There is not a self-help book ever written that will tell you this this magical secret. There's not a meditation routine in the morning. There's not a certain diet. There's not a certain hobbies. Those are fleeting at all times. The only thing that gives you that is Jesus. And he flat out said, I came to give it to you. Yes. Right? I, now, if you guys can hear that siren in the background, uh, God bless whoever needs that ambulance. Uh, I hate hearing that noise. But um, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And, and we hear that, and sometimes, I'm guilty of this as well, years ago I thought, well, he's talking about eternity. And so I came that you would have an abundant eternity. He's not. I, and I know this because I, I had to look at it in Greek. It means now. I came that you would have abundant life now, that you would know in as much as you can know down here what it means to be filled in yes. life. Yes, and, and what the abundance he's referring to is, is not what our worldly mind wants to make it. Right. Money, R- things, sure. t- more time, more this, more that. I mean, it's just not, and we tend to think, and I think we so many times avoid the things that feel hard on the shallow surface distribution day, mm-hmm. primary example here, I feel like I'm up on my feet for 17 hours hollering the whole entire time dire- directing traffic. And all of those people up there, they do, they think I'm crazy. I stand up at a convenience store and I line cars up for like three hours. Mm-hmm. And I do, I look like a crazy person to every single person that passes by. Every If they see me in town the next week, they're like, you're a psycho. I know. But on the, I mean, shallow, deep, it is hard. But when I go home from that day, the amount of joy I feel, I'm like, bam, I could take on the world. I'm looking for a Bible verse. I literally feel like I could take on the world. And you know, like, it's the sad, sad truth that just what you said, we're looking for that little bit of pleasure, that little bit of we're, we're seeking a, an empty spot to be filled with something that's only temporary, and we're too darn scared mm-hmm. to step out there in the deep end for just a minute and swim and see what happens. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 4, verse 10, and said, Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. We look like fools. And then talking to the Corinthians who thought they knew better, he said, but you, you claim to be wise. But look at me. Look at me and look at Timothy. Look at, look at 
uh, Titus, look at Apollos, look at Barnabas. We look like fools. In fact, we've become prisoners for this. And so it makes no sense to the rest of the world, but it's exactly what we're supposed to do. We today are struggling with this idea of, but I'm so embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Don't get me wrong. I am embarrassed sometimes. My wife would tell you this and, and other folks that I've shared. Every time something ridiculous happens at a church and it shows up in the news, I promise you, I think to myself, please don't be Baptist. Please don't be Baptist. I don't want any other denomination to have to deal with it. But it seems like, I don't, this may be offensive. You know how every time a bad storm happens in a community, seemed like for a time the news folks always went to the trailer park and found the person still in their pajamas, didn't have their teeth in, and the person's always going to tell us that it sounded like a freight train. You know, that sort of, oh yeah. And, I feel like every time something shameful is going to happen in the world of religion, it's going to be from a Baptist church. And then, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be able to explain to somebody what it means to be Baptist and how that person's point of view is not a reflection of my point of view, even though our church has the same word on the sign. But uh, in the same way, if you're like me, there are Christians who have done things. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little ashamed to say I am one with that being the hot topic. Okay. I love his writing to death, but the truth that came out about Ravi Zachariah recently, it, it, it is embarrassing for me to have quoted him, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but we talked about it once uh, here at church. You know, I all he did was make the Bible stink, but he didn't change what the Bible says. Exactly. And 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 that 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 I said somehow I said it in a way that it, you know it made it stick for me and I think it made it stick for a couple of others, but my my daily question is am I living in a way that's stinking the Bible? Am yes. I am I making the Bible reek? And it shouldn't reek. It doesn't reek. And it's crazy that you said that about stinking because I have strawberries in my house right now that are going bad. Fruit gone bad stinks, y'all. So, I mean, (laughs) you can be all day long out there working, producing your little fruit. But if you don't keep at it and keep your nose to the grindstone and keep sticking out, you're going to start stinking again. You got that one one time you did something that you knew God was telling you to do 15 years ago and you keep referring to that like, yeah, no, I did that. I did that. Yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) Fruit... Rotten fruit stinks. Uh, yes. We are supposed to be sticking out, and I would like to suggest to you that if you're like me and you are a uh, a feaster of media and news, if you're reading and listening and seeing those things, you see a reflection of what happens when we blend in. You're looking at a culture that suffers from a camouflage Christianity Yep. that's too busy hiding in the hills, and I'm going to—I really am— Maybe we say that sometimes passive. I'm probably going to say something to offend you. Let this one bother you because too bad. We're too busy hiding in the woods and the woods are the sanctuary, hoping that Jesus is going to come back real quick and suck me off the planet. So I don't have to be around when, when finally these bad folks get punished. Yeah. That is not what you were called to do. We were called to be found working in the field so that when the master comes home, we can say here, we did this for you. You know, the parable of the talents where the guy gets five and three, you know, 
that wasn't about hiding it in the dirt. It wasn't about being invisible because I'm so scared that I would have done it wrong. You're supposed to be as nasty as them dirty people you trying to help. You you are supposed to. You are supposed to have dirt on your hands from holding them up. Not yeah. sit in your clean, comfy corner and avoid every single dirty spot in the world, but then not jumping into the mud puddle and rolling around in right. it with them. We're supposed to get our clothes exchanged in eternity for righteous yes. white robes. We're not supposed to show up with clean clothes. Yes. And I had a pastor. It was actually my mentor. It's the man who walked me into ministry, really, who told me, he said, my goal is to slide into heaven and be like, I'm finished. And he said, I don't want to just walk in as though I wasn't busy doing something. I love that. And I always remembered that because anybody who's in ministry will tell you it's, and, and being in ministry, I don't, I don't even just mean vocationally. Anybody who is showing up for Bible studies and showing up weekly for church service, showing up for whatever ministries your church is a part of. When you're constantly doing that, it is tiring, like Townsend has mentioned. It it takes, a, but it takes a different toll on you. It doesn't take the same toll as being tired because you were out there doing something you maybe no. shouldn't have. Or, it doesn't leave you searching. No. And there's, there's not that, it's not, living out this city on a hill is not Chinese food type life where you, you feel full for a minute, but then it's just back to being hungry. Right. It is that sustaining. This is, I mean, I, I tease about this all the time, but Jesus talks about food a lot. Yes. And he even t- calls himself the, the bread, bread of, life, of life, the water of yes. life. You know, it, these are things that you take in and you never need them again. You don't have to keep going back, but you keep enjoying what you've already received. And we don't do that enough. Because we're too busy knowing, that's the part, I guess, that's the biggest rub of all. I don't think it's too hard to convince people in a church that we're supposed to stick out. I just think it's hard to convince them to stick out. Yes. You see the difference? You said it. Yes. And so that's what bothers me the most. And I've been there. We know, but we don't want to know. Yep. And the Bible tells us, once you know, now you're accountable and you know. And... uh I worry that that thing Paul says in Romans 1 is not something we are eager enough to repeat because he said, I'm ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but we live in a world where you're a bigot if you believe that stuff. You're some version of an ist, racist, fascist, sexist, homophobist. I don't know. (laughs) You know, there are all these ists that they are going to apply to you. No, I'm not. Because and I'll, if I'll, your actions are Jesus Christ all day, every day, those people can't honestly look at your life and say that you don't love them. Right. Because you've shown in every way that you do. Now, am I standing in the shadow of those who used the truth to tell a lie? Indeed, I am. But can I encourage you in something? This is, and I have to, I do this to myself all the time. Now, where am I coming from? I'm coming from Ezekiel 33. So Ezekiel is told there that he is being placed. And I would suggest to you that all of us as believers are like Ezekiel being placed. God says, you are a watchman on tower. And if evil is coming and you warn the people and their, their desire is to not listen to you, then when the evil overtakes them, they're responsible. But if you see evil coming and you say nothing and the evil overtakes the people. It's on you. I, I will require Ooh. their blood on your hand. And I loved this sermon. When you when you preached this back, it's been a long time ago that you preached yeah. this on Sunday morning. But when you preached this, it hit me like a ton of bricks because there's so oftentimes the literal meaning, you literally are the watchman over some people right. in the world. I mean, you are, they are 
under your care and supervision. And then the, the not literal term of it may not be people that you absolutely have every single day conversations with, mm-hmm. but you still are the watchman all the time. You, we you're are never the watchman. off the tower. Right. But when I think about that at first, and I can recognize it, it scares me, mm-hmm. but I live under the leadership of the one who knows all things. And so I look around, I'm on my tower, and I look at all that's going on in the world today, and I think, <laughs> who wants to do this job? Instead, I should be able to look at that and say, you know, the creator who knows all things and orders all things and puts all things where they're supposed to be, he knew what it would be like now, and he decided that I would be here. So instead of being afraid of sticking out in the world today, maybe you could spend just a few moments meditating on the fact that God knew exactly what the world would be like in 2021, and he decided that you would be a part of it. So that you would be the one taking it into the world. You are literally, by definition, known as the tip of the spear. The tip of the spear is the first part to get damaged. It's the first part to need work, but it's also the first part into the job. It's the first part thrust into the problem. We need to accept that calling as being the tip of the spear and stick out. Yes, all of the funny sayings about about, uh, sore thumbs are true. A sore thumb sticks out like a sore thumb and then it gets whacked because it was sticking out. That's true. Jesus said, you're going to get persecuted for my namesake. They're going to hate on you. They're going to talk about you. God forbid it, but they're going to make Facebook posts and tweets and Instas all about the ridiculousness that they want to say. None of that is of your concern. You were put here for a purpose. And I just got to tell you, we can only complain about how bad it's gotten for so long before somebody finally needs to stand up and say, but it's gotten this way on your watch. Yes. And you were supposed to be on the tower. Yes. See, that was said to Ezekiel all those years ago. I honestly feel like it's being said to us. So I'm just going to end it by saying, yeah, we're supposed to be the sore thumbs of the world. We're supposed to stick out with love and joy and kindness and grace, but also accountability and honesty and truth, expectation, not only over others, but first and foremost over ourselves. Absolutely. Be live, vulnerable. Right. Yes. Again, I, you know, it's easiest just to quote the Bible. I live in such a way so as not to disqualify myself from that which I share. Amen. I don't want to tell you to do something and then be busted not doing it myself. So take advantage of that. I want to encourage you in the weeks and months ahead, take advantage of this gift. You get to stick out. You, you We all grew up wanting to be unique. Well, man, let me tell you, <laughs> look around. If you're holding to the principles of Jesus Christ, you're going to be seen as unique Here's around here. Here's the way to do okay? it. Okay? Follow him. Follow someone following him. Open your Bible. Read it. Go to church. And remember, guys, as we bring it to a close this week, our greatest opportunity is to show kindness to someone in the world because of the kindness Jesus showed us. Absolutely. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing and increasing our, our, our uh, community. But wherever God's about to take you, be bold, be happy and stick out. We love you. See you next week. Bye, y'all. Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man is a podcast dedicated to encouraging you as you think and start your own discussions at home about God and the Christian worldview. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating on the platform of your choice and share our podcast with folks you know. If you need to get in touch with Townsend or Preacher Man, you can email either of them at mtpm.podcast at gmail.com.